Hello and welcome to the Ruckus Review. My name is Nick Dabbs, filling in for my first go today as host. So if this goes horribly, you can feel free to feed me straight to Pennywise the Clown. Uh, today we are joined by none other than John Granholm, former host and current editor. Yeah, man. I'm Slave Flow, bro. And Mr. Hayden Scheffler. Uh, what am I, the content reviewer guy? What is it that you said about the Spider-Man review? <laughs> Technical support, dude. Utility, utility man, and all-around good guy. Wow. That's everyone's favorite title, right? Good guy. I save babies from <laughs> lightning strikes. <laughs> right on. So today, if you weren't able to tell by that hilarious quip in the intro, we will be reviewing uh, the somewhat shockingly uh, successful... Uh, late summer release, It, which we've had a lot of fun already in our correspondence, have we not? Texting, have you guys seen It? I know I haven't seen It yet. We've pretty much ran that one straight into the ground, but... I think the second time you say that joke, it's old. <laughs> well, it just gets confusing, though. I mean, you just have to yeah. like, do all caps, and then it's like, oh, he's making that joke again. Yeah. Right, right. The sequel should be called That... <laughs> Because that would get annoying. <laughs> no, it's just Have you guys be, seen that? It's just going to be called Two. <laughs> <laughs> or them. Or just called Minimal. Minimalistic. There you go. She's already captain. Thanks, Billy. So anyway, so here we go. Uh, now that we've knocked out the elaborate intro sequence, hey, it's good. 
this this was a movie that that got some critical acclaim here. And again, I I use the word surprising. I think it did kind of take a lot of people by surprise as far as how it was uh, really well received critically, uh, is and also really did well at the box office. So, um, you can go look up some of the uh, critical reviews. I thought I'd, I'd hone in on some of this box office information, as that's what's really kind of that was the really shocking element. Um, as far as movies rated R, this is actually the fourth highest grossing movie of all time, um, which is pretty insane. <laughs> um, just given that you know there's there's not really a market for this movie, um, they were just kind of tapping into a general mainstream horror fan kind of American market. You guys care to guess the three movies that are ahead of it? You, you Saul, can definitely get them. Maybe. No, good guess. Saul's a little further down. Saving Private Ryan. No, that's number 12. Nightmare on Elm really? Street. No, one of them's really recent. Really recent. It was kind of a, just a cultural sensation. Still is. Superhero movie. Deadpool. Yes, sir. That's number two. Huh. Number one, Passion of the Christ. Oh, that is really interesting. The highest rate. Oh, I guess. That is... Uh... I mean, I find a lot of similarities between it and The Passion of the Christ. I mean, I'm just going to say that right yeah. now. Me too. Well, and it probably appeals to both the same audiences. Right. And just that whole visual cue of kids riding on bicycles is almost a one-for-one ripoff. Um, another interesting thing here on box office is they do a kind of like a rolling calendar. So the top movies grossing-wise in the past 365 days. Um it's number six, so that means every 2017 release, uh, and then even some of the December releases in 2016, including like Rogue One, um, which is just crazy. And so what that comes out to total is about 300 million. Hmm. Um, and again, for just being a movie that's rated R, you typically just don't see that kind of success. I mean, opening weekend it was just absolutely bombing. How much did it cost? All to about make? seeing it. That's a good question. Let's uh. Let me hop on that real quick. That's insane. So the budget was $35 million. Yeah, that's what, it's, it's not just, very high. That's what I was thinking. Because there's not, not too much visual... Like, there's not any epic visual scenes where you're like, this is insane. Also, you're not paying any huge name actors. Right. You're really not. You're really not. It's like the Stranger Things kid <laughs> is number one. That's you know? true, yeah. Probably. I can't think of anyone else. So I guess my my first question, kind of in, in recapping its success here at the box office, most notably, what do you guys? Why do you guys think it was so successful? I think partially because it was already, you know, it's it's a remake, and so you've got a ton, you know, whatever generation that came out in, all of them are going to go see an R movie. Like they're not, it's not like it's going to hinder them. Like that's a huge audience that's already going to go see it. And then since it's ex- like it's remaking a movie that like is how old? Thirty years, or twenty seven, like isn't it? Yeah. Because then the original come out, and that's like a thing. Um. So I mean, it's like you do have a huge audience that you can already appeal to with that remake. You know. What do you mean by huge? <laughs> well, I mean just like whoever saw the original, and then ever since then, it's like you had twenty seven years of potential people viewing it, the original, and liking it. Uh, the original. So you don't view this as as it really a surprise. You you kind of are saying this is in some ways expected based on the the prior movie and the cachet built up with that market already essentially. 
Uh, that, and I think, like, the movie lends itself to being more of, like, a mystery than, like, a campy horror movie. Like, I don't know. I just think they... I don't know if it's between either its reputation... Because the first one was pretty well done, too, and was well-received, at least, right? Never saw it. From what I heard, people... Uh, don't know anything about it. it. <laughs> From what I've heard, it was the, the original was one of those that was very scary as a child, but when you watch it as an adult, it was kind of kind of dumb can't yeah yeah which is not the Adam same Westy. for this movie i would say i was gonna say i thought there was good potential for uh you know repeat audiences and people who because they know the old one would like the new one and knew the story yeah Oof. hayden would you add anything to that as far as its success at the box office um the thing is that i would say is that the only reason i saw it well, there was two reasons, I guess. Uh-huh. The, the first reason was because I read the book. The only reason why I read the book was because I saw the trailer for the movie and said, that looks like an awesome movie that I'm never going to watch, so I'm going to read the book instead. And then the uh, the second reason that I saw it was <laughs> that you guys were like, we should do a review of it. So I was like, okay, I might as well go see it. Because I did read the book, and I and I really did enjoy the book. So, um, And I think that it drew a lot of people that were big Stephen King fans, because... I mean, he's like one of the biggest fictional authors in America, and that draws a huge number of people from it because the book came out in 1986. So anyone that read that book is probably interested to see the movie, and that, and I mean, and that always, and also there was some sort of um, Stephen King said himself that he thought it was a good representation of the book. So I think that would make a lot of readers that weren't big moviegoers think okay maybe this isn't maybe this is a good idea to go see that's what i would say Hmm. Hmm. also a point to add is like i mean kind of going off of that stephen king most stephen king movies are good like we were looking through that the shawshank is really good i think green mile was done well the shining Um, is really good right and then the shining is super well received and now it's like you're you're getting a stephen king movie that's like it's a modern day horror movie that's like I think that's gonna, you know, that's just super interesting. It's like, ooh, this is a Stephen King we won't have seen yet, really. I think, I think maybe I should have reframed my question. I agree that there's other good Stephen King movies, but putting aside like the critical acclaim which this movie received, I mean, I'm looking right here. Shawshank Redemption total gross to this day is not even the budget of it. It's 28 million, so it has literally wow. crapped on pretty much every Stephen King release. I mean, The Dark Tower was a flop critically and only made 50 million it's made 300 million so in my mind there's something beyond just it being a king grab or something of that nature that's there it has some kind of factor that's pulling people in i think this story um or not the story but i think it i think it's it'll be a good comparison between it and dark tower because dark tower to me didn't seem as like relatable or it seemed like you had to have read the book i never yeah you know? i never saw and, and my biggest like the hardest thing i'm going to have here is like comparing it to the book and from what i heard the thing is that the dark tower series is an eight book series that have books that are over a thousand pages long like and then they made a you know two hour movie that encompasses you know maybe over five thousand page. it's like there's no way it can be anything like the real story so it's not going to be that good whereas it is one it's breaking it up into two movies and it's also like i haven't really watched any horror movies at all 
like the closest I would come to this would be uh, The Shining. Um, and this one wasn't like your typical horror movie in any way. Like there wasn't like a really attractive 22 year old girl that takes her clothes off, you know? And then there wasn't like some like, we're going to go to this weird destination and, you know, sort of like the cabin in the woods type deal. It is just, it was an intriguing premise. And I think it was like the story was what drove people to go see it. And then the fact that it was horror, because I feel like a lot of people like to watch horror movies. I don't know why, but people do. I think that's, I think that's closer to the truth as I would see it as well. Just kind of the novelty. Again, in, in a lot of the promotional, you just have that, you have the image of the clown and people just, it's just their buddy being like, Ooh, that looks creepy. Like I hate yeah, clowns. Let's exactly. go see it. Let's go see it. It's like literally that simple. It's just kind of the novelty of the horror in general, which is kind of sucking people in. So now that we've spent a couple of minutes here kind of unpacking maybe some of the reasons why it was so successful, we can maybe shift the conversation more to a critical one. Um, overall, I guess, did you guys like the movie? And if so, you know, what were some of the elements here, technical or otherwise, that kind of stood out for you? Uh, let's start with Hayden. This is hard, really hard to like say off the bat just because there's so many things that go into this. Like I know, Nick, you watch a lot more horror movies or scary movies than I do. And I never watched scary movies. And two, I read the book and really liked the book, which meant that there was like a whole lot of expectations going into the movie. Um, and also, right. I had read that thing that Stephen King said about how he thought it was like a fair representation of the book. So I was like, yeah. so I was like, okay, there has to be something that's good about this. And I think what they what they nailed about it was the feel of the kids in the town, like sort of like the Stranger Things vibe where they're all kind of together. And, and I thought they did that really well. I thought that like the kids being friends was kind of rushed because it had to be, but I think that, um, overall they had a good, like interplay between the children, you know, and how they, and how they knew each other and stuff like that. I thought that was done really well. And I liked Pennywise. Like I thought he was creepy. I thought he was a good representation of him. Um, I'm interested to see how they're going to tie in the, the second movie because because the book is takes place it takes place at the same time. So the first part when they're kids and then when they're adults, it flashes back and forth between them the entire book and the climaxes of both books happen at the same time and you're flashing back and forth between the, the like ultimate climax with it. So um I'm interested to see how they'll do that with the 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 second movie. Um but like overall, I enjoyed the movie. Um, but I don't know, it's a, it's a hard movie to rank for me because there's so much expectation. It's like Lord of the Rings to some extent, not at that great scale, but it's like, you can't just watch Lord of the Rings and ignore what it came from. And that's, that's how I feel. But overall, I liked it. I, like Hayden, don't watch many horror movies. Uh... I was trying to think of what the scariest movie was that I've seen before this. Toy Story 2. And it was like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I Am Legend or like Shutter Island. Like movies that are like. Those are, those are scary. Yeah, they have scary moments. Whatever, they're not they're, based they're on. They're like thrillers or yeah. suspense. They're not horror movies. And I knew going into this, like, I do not do horror <laughs> and I don't like horror. So like, so. I started, you know, I started recognizing stuff that I liked throughout the movie. I liked the coming of age themes. I liked, I mean, the coming of age theme, I think they did well uh, within the context of a horror. I liked that it was a mystery. 
kind of going into the Stranger Things area again. And they pulled off that 80s vibe, which is, I think right now, culture like really likes that. Which is that. so weird, because the book and, takes place at the uh, end of the 50s. Really? Yeah. They switched up. I, I, I don't know. I think they did it well. It was fun to watch, for sure. Um, But I was... I mean, so it's like half the movie. I was just like crinkled up in my seat with you, my and the, shut you're the only person like, in the um, theater. Oh yeah, I can tell that story too. I'm sitting there. The movie's getting closer. Little previews are playing. You know, the random theater things. Like, here's these quizzes, and no one comes in. And it's like, please, someone show up. And then finally, you get to the real previews, and there's no one there. And that was the worst. I mean, I also that meant I felt free to like scream, you know, really freak out. Yeah, because <laughs> like there's no one there that's gonna you know be judging me. Uh, do anyway, I thought it was really good. I think maybe there are a couple places. I don't know. See, I get caught because I don't necessarily like horror. Where it's like this was a cool movie, but if you weren't trying to make me scared, I would appreciate some things more. Hmm. But I mean, that's, I think to me, that just comes down to my own preference of being like, I don't like being scared. I want to enjoy the coming of age movie and the mystery more than the, like the, the suspense building up that's going to cause me to have a heart attack, you know, before I make it to my car. And it definitely was a lot scary, less scary for me because I knew it was going to happen. Yeah. So I was, an, int- I was an interesting, <laughs> an interesting insertion there. So like the the first kind of horror scene. It's so like the sewer scene. Like you knew exactly what was going to happen, Hayden. Well, yes, and I and it was funny because I had I went with Natalie and she was like totally down. She was like, "Yeah, sure, I'd love to go see it." And I told her about the first part. I was like, "Okay, this is going to be kind of scary." So instantly the movie starts. You told her? Well, I was like, "Just be ready for something that's kind of scary." And instantly right oh. when right when the movie starts, she starts like hiding. She's like, "I don't want to see this." I'm like, "It hasn't even started yet." Um, but the biggest thing I hated about that, I love that. She's like, I'm ready. I'm going to, yeah, go. exactly. Yeah. Um, and she really liked it. But, um, the, the thing that I didn't like about yeah. that scene w- was how in, in the book, it was just so much more brutal in the book. He literally grabs him and rips his arm off. Like he rips his arm from his socket, which I think is just so much more intense than biting someone's arm off. I just think that's kind of cliche. Dude, oh come! What a that's like the biggest nitpick I think I've ever heard. But, it, but it, it's not it's not as scary because it's like that happens. Like you know, whatever, people get their arms bitten dude. off by sharks or whatever. Like, but this it was like oh yeah that ha that happened. I, I just thought it was like kind of they like Clouds dumbed it down. I thought they I thought they made out. it like too like horror-esque with that scene wow. whereas if like him like if he actually wow. ripped his arm off like it was actually like okay this is like setting this like the tone of this movie to be more like brutal and less like <laughs> horror-esque i cannot part of my points pretty much all of my viewing of that movie is informed by that scene and like what i like about the movie what i don't like uh-huh. about it is because of that scene and how like shocking that scene uh-huh. was for so many reasons because typically, like, when you when you watch horror movies, especially, like, mainstream, you know, widely released, these aren't, like, the artsy torture-type movies or anything like yeah. that. There's a couple of, like, cardinal rules, and one of them is pretty much kids are untouchable. That is true. It's so, like, you know, when you've got a kid, especially a kid that young, 
you're, you've, you've, it's, it's suspense suicide. I mean, there's nothing that's going to happen to them. And so that's, that just gets totally violated in that scene. It was so well done. That was, that's, that's my favorite scene of the year. It was so good. I absolutely loved it. And I see and just that. just to end that way, you're like, oh my goodness. And I understand that. But the thing is, I already knew it was going to happen. So automatically, the expectations are going to be high. And wh- the way that they did it, I didn't like it. Because they didn't meet my expectations of brutality. My expectation, I, that's, my expectation after reading the book, if I read the book and anticipated that, I would have been like, there's no way they're going to do any of that. I'd be happy with like a punch to the, to the arm. <laughs> oh, oh, a clown punched me in the throat. <laughs> yeah, throat punch. <laughs> but yeah, no, I get that. And I, yeah, I, that's... I have no idea about how I would feel if I just didn't know it was coming and that happened, you know? I can tell you, we, we, we were watching it. I had a group of us and we were all kind of, that whole first sequence we thought was really well done. Like the kid going into the basement, uh-huh. they're just kind of getting that dread. They're kind of knocking it down the hill, letting it roll kind of slow. John's hating it. He's cringing already <laughs> in the theater. Little mommy's not there to hold his hand. Little Mark's at home playing the saxophone too far away. Um, uh, see, I have they, to... they, okay, <laughs> they build that so well. And then that sewer scene happens and that whole back and forth, that whole exchange is so good. It's so like enjoyable. And then like, oh, that creepy part where he says something about popcorn. And he's just like starts laughing yeah. and he just like vomits a little yeah. bit. And then he that just is, stops. That is so good. And he like growls. Oh And my then just gosh. for it, we all just looked at each other after that whole scene happened. We're just like, what are we like? We thought this was one thing. And like, this is, we thought the exact opposite of what you thought. We were like, this is way more brutal. Than we were expecting. <laughs> yeah, and that's just the different expectations that, and and I can and I can acknowledge that that scene was well done, but it just wasn't. And and the the people, the director, I don't know if it was the director, someone who was talking about the R rating, about how they were they were trying to make it R rated because they wanted to show, like they took stuff out of the book that they were like, we couldn't do this because oh, it would sure. be too violent. Like one scene, a kid um, basically gets drowned in a toilet by the monster. And they were like, we can't do that. Like, we couldn't ever show that without making it unrated, you know? And so they they had to dumb down a lot of the violence that was in the book, mainly because it's in written form and not in, like, a visual sort of... It. Yeah. So... Georgie. What a nice boat. Do you want it back? Um, yes, please. You look like a nice boy. Do you want a balloon too, Georgie? I'm not supposed to take stuff from strangers. Oh, well, I'm Pennywise the dancing clown. Now we aren't strangers, are we? I should get going now. Oh. Without your bow? Here. Take it. We can shift the focus now maybe to some of the problems that we had in the movie. Um, I'll just start real quick, but just a, one that's kind of related to this conversation is that, again, when you have your story or your narrative focused around a group of kids on a screen, you know, you're obviously going to get a lot of good from that. 
Um, you get the high energy, the kind of the fun. It looked like there was a lot of humor generated by that ensemble. But at the same time, you kind of get a lot of the typical child actor type stuff, mm-hmm. which can kind of, it's it, it can be slightly annoying. And then bigger than that, again, this is where it's kind of just jarring for me because you have that first sewer scene and you're like, wow, that my expectations are immediately up here. And then with each successive scare that didn't end that way, you kind of you kind of get nulled a little bit. So actually the terror that's going on. Because it's like they almost peaked. As far as the scare, they peaked with that first scene. Especially, like there are other things that were scary. But it's like nothing nothing matches that. And that's kind of a problem for, for maintaining your suspense momentum. Especially with each like children each child running into their version of it. You know, like nothing was quite as scary as that, and then each child had a different encounter. Well nothing because nothing even happened. Yeah. Except for the kid and the su- the bully and the, with the zombies in the sewer. And that was an off-screen death, if I remember correctly. That was still pretty creepy. That, overall, the body count really wasn't that high. As far as what you're saying, Nick, like with how each scare got less and less, I guess that's, I mean, since I don't see most traditional Hollywood big release horror movies, um, do you think that also has to do with how much they just like, boom, here's Pennywise. Like you see him face to face for like a few couple minutes. Whereas I would think in traditional movies, it's like they're not going to reveal the monster or the bad guy for a while. They'll give like glimpses of him. And then... Great uh, point. That's that's kind of what I felt. I thought I really liked that opening scene, even though I'm like, yeah, oh, something's yeah. going to happen. I'm peeing my pants already. So like, good. You know, and to me, it's like, hey, there's no shame if I leave the theater now. No one sees me. <laughs> I could just leave. Um, and so, like, I thought it was super cool to just see Pennywise and watch him interact because he did a really good job. Agreed. And it was like, this is immediately a cool character. And as much as I hate horror movies, it's like, he, I thought it was such a cool character. It's like, I want to kind of go back and see it because it was interesting to watch that. But I guess I would think that, like, that's kind of the reason that each successive time that you see him, it's like, oh, I've already seen At his worst. up close. And I've gotten, like, right, I've seen him so personally at this point. It's a great point. And it's almost like you get a sense that the film creators kind of know that. And so they're instead of focusing their effort on genu- generating kind of the scare, the raw scare, they kind of dress each of those sequences up visually and make them just like really creative. So like each of those little individual scenarios was very particularly designed and like crafted and kind of visually communicated in a way that, yeah, sometimes it was scary. Like, I'd like the, I'm thinking of the library scene when he sees the red balloon and kind of follows it. It's more just kind of like, you're, it's just a little uneasy, but it looks really great. Or like the camera angles you have with the OCD kid who sees the crooked portrait and you kind of, the camera is matching that and then kind of communicating the horror of the, of the angle being off. And like the little, oh, little things like that, yeah. which are really, really good, really good attention to detail, which... It's almost like the filmmakers are like, we know it's not going to be as scary, so we're going to up the creativity and kind of the visual style here in a lot of these little presentations. Going back to what you were saying about different scares and stuff like that, the scene with Ben in the library uh, where he walked down the stairs and he saw that egg and he kind of walked up to it and then he turned around and heard the like the headless boy walk. Like I thought that part was really scary when it like lunged towards him. And he started, like, I thought that was one of the more scary scenes in the movie. I just thought that scene was really well done, like you were saying. It was well done. And the thing that was really hard for them to, there's so much backstory in that book. And the whole, like, explosion of the ironworks where there's the Easter egg hunt. Like, it, I, I can't imagine not reading the book and sort of 
having any clue what they're talking about. But there's all these big giant events that occur like in 27 year periods where it comes back and kills a bunch of people and like the yeah. the burn like the explosion at the ironworks during the Easter egg hunt killed like a hundred kids and then there's like the burning of the black spot which was like a black only bar that was created by some black guys that where tons of people died and there's all these like big events and they tried to touch on it when they went to Ben's house and he had it all mapped out on the wall but it was just so hard to get like there was so much backstory behind the monster that they tried to they 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 only had a little bit of time to shove it into the movie. I enjoyed how they did. I I enjoyed the route of kind of historical research. Yeah, and that's what it's like, like in the that. book. I like that angle. But it's just hard to do that. And and that's like one of those limitations adequately. That's like you give them a pass on that because it's like there's no way they could give you, you know, 10 chapters of backstory on each one of these major events that occurred 100 years right. ago. Something else I'd like to talk about real quick by, by means of another problem, see what you guys think about it. It's kind of the pacing in general. You know, it's something, a buzzword that gets thrown around a lot, especially with mainstream type releases, um, especially with horror movies. And I thought this movie was paced really well at first. Like it was just kind of zipping along. Like you're, you're getting introduced to all these new characters. Each is pretty intriguing. Each has something going on. Each has their own kind of individual scare. Um, and then it kind of hits a wall for me, at least after they, they visited the house the first time kind of as a group. I agree with um, that. Because for one, I was I was thinking like, oh my goodness, is this it? Like, is this the end? It's been like 15 minutes. Number one. Number two, they pretty much had already solved how to defeat it by that point. Like, they had already come to this realization that it's playing on their fear. And so, like, when you halfway through the movie have the villain fully established, his motives fully realized, and then you also have, like, the vehicle by which you're going to defeat him, like, already... It's kind of like, okay, I don't really, what's the point? Like, what's what's my rooting interest at this point? And then they just come back and, and yeah, surprise, they do defeat him. So I think they kind of tipped their hand a little too early as far as the mechanism for understanding how to defeat it. Um, and since that kind of peaked too early, what that also did for me at least was, this might be an unfair critique, but kind of retroactively lessened the scares that had been shown previously. Because essentially the messaging is now, oh, that was all in your mind. Don't believe in fear. Like, it's not real. And that always cheapens any kind of potency in the scare. Again, which speaks to the sewer scene as, like, very tangible uh, outburst of horror. And the subsequent ones is maybe more imaginative, which, again, look great. But halfway through, when you realize kind of what those actually were, maybe aren't so scary when you think back about them. When did uh, Henry Bowers like get possessed who's that that's the main that's the, the main bully, bully with the mullet the blonde hair he killed his dad with the knife sometime between the first and second house visits well at that point i just kind of felt like i get what you're saying nick um where it's like okay look we just have you know at that point you're just expecting okay they're gonna go back now because they know how to do it and they're it's all gonna finish from there yeah i mean maybe they didn't put enough emphasis on it but maybe they could have been trying to switch everything to like now something's up with this Henry Bowers kid. Like he literally seems possessed. I mean, yeah. maybe, they, maybe they didn't pull it off well. I'm just saying. But it's like definitely now not. Real but see, I want to talk about this. walking around because that's a big part of the book, and they had really good cues in it that you wouldn't have noticed unless you'd read the book. And it's sort and in the book, it's this sort of ongoing story with him where his friends start realizing they're like, this dude's crazy. 
And one of the one of the main scenes happens when he starts carving his name into Ben, and and you see one of the boys is like kind of one of the bullies is kind of like, uh, sh- should we be doing this? Like this is kind of like I don't know, this is kind of weird. And in the book, it's like there's all these points where his friends are slowly realizing like you like this dude is going crazy, and it's a slow process of him doing these things, and each one of them like ups the ante of him sort of going insane. Whereas they, like, again, with the timing, they couldn't do that in the book. Or in the movie, I'm sorry. So they had little hints in the movie, but they weren't very obvious unless you knew what was going to happen to him. And you would see other people looking at him and being like, whoa, dude. Like, if you watch it again, I bet you'd see more of that happening. So you're, Interesting. you're just saying that it would be more dramatic were they able to really like make that seem like a building crescendo? Well, I think they did do it, but you couldn't see it because you weren't expecting it. Whereas if you go back and watch it, you'll be like, this dude is messed up. Let me try to see why he is or how he becomes messed up. But it's in the movie, at least what's communicated in the final cut is not so much how he gets there, but what he does when he's there is really kind of lame. He literally just falls down a well and you're like, okay. Yeah, see, see in the book... He um he, he literally doesn't do anything bad at yeah, all. Yeah, in the book he <laughs> gets charged the for murdering all of the kids, and he gets sent to prison. And he comes back as an adult twenty seven years later. He breaks out of prison. So okay, so he'll be featured maybe in the sequel a little more prominently. I don't maybe. know. Yeah, because he seemed like he died in the book. He gets arrested and put in prison. Like, doesn't Pennywise... I was reading about stuff like this. Doesn't Pennywise convince him to confess <coughs> all of it? Say that again? Doesn't Pennywise convince Henry to, like, confess to everything? Yeah, yeah. He, he says he did it, yeah. That's so creepy. I was gonna say, overall, like, as he was being categorized as this kind of, you know, generic bully, eh? Um, I was thinking they were maybe gonna go the redemption route with him and kind of have him join that group and just kind of be like... Hey, we're all in this together against Pennywise the Clown. So I appreciated that that didn't happen. But it's it just Steve kind of from Stranger Things. That's a whole different conversation exactly. that I will talk about, but not now. I'll defend the heck out of Steve. Steve Harrington. That's who I'm being for Halloween. I'm growing oh, yeah. Steve Harrington. You're an idiot, Steve Harrington. <laughs> I just rewatched that, so... In the best way. Okay, let's not start talking about Stranger Things. Uh, I think we should. Because then my mind won't be filled of horror images all night um out of the child actors who do who is your favorite and least favorite of those performances i thought beverly did a really i i thought they did her character really well and i thought she portrayed like a girl who was kind of confused um like as to where she because she was like 13 is you know like she didn't know where she was she was like not quite a girl not quite like fully grown and then um i really liked ben and bill so bill's the main character and ben's the fat kid the rest of the characters i think were entirely forgettable in comparison to what i know from them from the books so there was the love triangle was the the people that i liked the most really i i kind of didn't like ben as far as like acting tell me again who ben is the fat kid (laughs) fat kid yeah, I agree with you, John. Although my least favorite was the Jewish kid. Although he probably had like four lines anyway. Stan, right. Sure he, right. It's like, I think you can't like say he's your least favorite because he didn't get to do anything. But Stan was like pretty, that was right. how he was in the book. Like, he, I mean, like he's okay. But like, I really enjoyed the OCD guy. I thought he was funny. 
I really like the scene. Oh, Eddie? I really like that scene when the little boy when they're telling him about the uh, the yeah the pills are placebo. Yeah, and he says it's a gazebo. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. These are gazebos. <laughs> that was really funny. Yeah, Eddie. Yeah, Eddie was, Eddie was pretty I liked good. him a lot. Richie, they ri- see poor yeah. poor John in the theater couldn't laugh at that because he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> It's like that was funny, I guess. Yeah, Richie. Yeah, Eddie was okay. Richie, I they Richie was played by the guy that was in Stranger Things. Um, they completely, I, they just didn't do his character very well. Like Trashmouth, like he was okay. Oh, really? Yeah, he was okay, but I, I, I liked him a lot more in the book. In the movie, he just seemed a little bit annoying. It's funny because it's the exact opposite of his Stranger Things character. Like in Stranger Things, he's the yeah boring yeah. good get nobody. Which one is the swearing one in Stranger Things? Dustin. Or that's his name in real life. No, that's his name in the show. No, that's his I name forget. in the movie. In the show. Oh. But he's not in uh, it. Are you sure? So, how, do you think, how do you think the Demogorgon compares to Pennywise? <laughs> Let's just make this a full comparison show so it's palatable for me and my delicate <laughs> sense. I thought the Demogorgon was scary just because you were like, you have no idea what it is. But Pennywise is more like tangible. Uh, <laughs> I'm still trying to decide if he is. Let's not do that. We can't compare it to Stranger Things because they're just not the same. I I also am kind of. Well, we actually we can get there in a second. Um, let me ask you guys this. Uh, just kind of in general, what did you guys think about the third act? And when I'm when I say that, I'm talking pretty much from the time they go down into the sewer and kind of discover that like spirit well of hovering bodies and then to his eventual destruction what how did you guys think that was executed did you buy in did you like it john i i didn't know what to think about the uh floating and stuff i think that's probably something like that's super cool as far as reading the book like you probably understand more of that kind of stuff i think some interesting things happened in the third act and then talking about the the Jewish kid, I thought a good moment where he was when he was like, "You guys were you left me," and they're all freaking out. Like I, that was just a really cool moment to me, where he's like, "You guys all left me," and he's you know freaking out. And then they're eventually all like, "No, we didn't, we didn't." Um, I do like you were saying earlier. I do think there was some stuff lacking in the third act. Like you did expect where it was going to go, and even like the moment where they all started you know beating up pennywise was like okay like i <laughs> yeah. even thought okay. where the one kid was like you almost you know you almost drowned us or whatever like he was listing off the stuff i was like he's gonna like start fighting he's gonna say and now we're killing pennywise or something like that like i knew that was coming <laughs> one thing that was cool though was him i mean it was just they did it really well was him shooting georgie and that the was head, really good I, thing. that, that was, was my favorite part yes. of the third that act was nice. that was the, that was really the thing that i they kind of added to the movie that wasn't in the book that I liked, but that whole third act, dude, poor Georgie, Georgie gets two gruesome deaths in one movie. That poor child actor. Yeah. Overall, I didn't really like the, the last scene, the last part, the last, last act or whatever you want to call it, just because it, a lot of it was the ending from the adult half of the book where Beverly is captured. Cause that's similar to the, the end of the, book when they're older but it's not beverly it's someone else um and then it's just it's not the like in the it's completely different in the book the way that they fight the monster is just like 
It's called The Ritual of Chud, and it's just insanely complicated, and it involves, like, interdimensional time and travel through space, and, like, it's insane. Whereas this is like, I'm going to hit him with an iron rebar, you know? So it's there's no comparison between the final act in the in the movie and the book. And, and I don't think they could have done it in a way that was like, I thought that that scene where they both bit onto each other's tongues and then went into the sun. And then, you know, like, I don't think that that would have gone over very well in a movie setting. So, I mean, I thought it was like you said, okay, but... I didn't like it, but that's like my lame expectations of having read the book. And that's always, I'm always that lame person. Some cool moments, though. Yeah. I like I like the part where he shot Georgie in the head, as weird as that sounds. Oh, actually, I, I did want to make a Stranger Things comparison to the third act. And just kind of, in general, a typical formula, I guess, that some, some movies go for. Um, which is kind of dividing up the action. Um... You know, in Stranger Things, you've got in the finale, and Hayden, you can probably speak to this better since you just saw it, but from what I can remember, you've kind of got a couple of distinct storylines going on. Um, you've got, obviously, the sheriff and the mom kind of in the underground trying to find the son, but quite separately, you've got Eleven and the kids struggling actually against the Demogorgon, but you also have the threat of the FBI or whatever force coming in. Uh, and so kind of shifting back between those tension points just makes a more compelling <clears throat> third act, in my opinion, whereas... In this movie, which is pretty rare, um, like literally all it's focused here. You don't have any kind of compelling character outside of this group of, of kids. Um, and while that was intentional, you know, kind of demonizing all the adults in the movie, demonizing all the parents, definitely seemed like there was some kind of intentionality behind that or some kind of messaging. Um, but it kind of hurt them. that this is, this is literally, it's very immediate. This is where it's all taking place. And once we're done here, it's over. You're not really breaking it up. You're not really throwing it out. Um, and I don't, you know... It, it didn't necessarily hurt it that much, but it didn't really help it. It just kind of that's just kind of a general comment on kind of the formula they chose. But um, yeah, overall, I liked it. I, the the way it ended was pretty resolutely happy. You know, pretty solid tone. I, like after seeing the sewage scene again, I've never. If you would have said, "How's this movie going to end?" I never would have guessed that. Um, We're in a creepy blood ritual. I was like, "This needs to be a little more like we need to be like, whoa, what? This is like gross and weird." I don't like this. Oh, <laughs> John, John, you have no idea how weird it is in the book. It is like 100,000 times weirder, and you would never expect what they do in the book instead of that. When you're a kid, I think the universe revolves around you. They think that you'll always be protected and cared for. Then, one day... You realize that's not true. Because when you're alone as a kid, the monsters see you as weaker. You don't even know they're getting closer. Until it's too late. grandfather thinks this town is cursed that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing an evil thing
happens when another Georgie goes missing. Or one of us. Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, All right, well, are there any other things about the particular film that you guys want to get out? I don't. I think this is going to ultimately go down as one that we all just kind of agree was pretty good, maybe above average as far as just like an entertaining movie with some thematic intrigue to offer, but not as device, clearly not as divisive as Dunkirk. You can ask uh, Top Scares. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you guys find? Did you guys find the scares compelling? I I got tired of the jump scares a little bit. Just because I felt like that was a little bit it wiggling towards you. That was that was creepy. Like I, I wasn't denying that they were scary, but I just thought there was a little bit too many cliche jump 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 scares. Really, the one where I actually screamed, like I yelled in the theater, was when she knocked at her dad. Beverly knocked at her dad with the yes, toilet seat, me and then too. she spins around me and he too. put his. Th- I yelled in the theater. Yeah. I was like, "Whoa!" When that happened, like that to me he- was like the best scare like jump scare like, that's that not was cliche like, you we're not expecting that right because she just yeah because she, she just had you, resolution she had just overcome the conflict yeah and then you turn around and he's standing that right there that so part like good. freaked me out i was trying so hard the whole movie to like just take a giant step back and be like what makes things scary like hyper analyze everything so that when i was like when something happened i wouldn't be scared it's just like obviously that didn't work. I was dying, dude. The, whole the best time. thing to do, the best tip to remember is to the day before you see a movie like that, just think to yourself, okay, today is today, and I don't have scary thoughts. And so then when you see it, you can always remember back to that time, and you can attribute it fully to the remember experience. That time when I was like pouring orange. <coughs> Seriously, juice. you'd be surprised how much that works. But uh, yeah, I I guess I would just I to me I found very little. Uh, cliche, I guess, with a lot of these scares. Again, pointing to kind of their visual. But you also have a lot more experience, so that's probably that might be true. You have a lot more experience. Well, how does that make sense? How does someone with less like experience, you've seen some- a lot more? You've seen a lot more horror movies, so you know what's more cliche than I do. The thing that I thought of specifically was when uh, Bill was walking through his kitchen at night, and his little brother ran by, and there was that. Sound as he like ran by, and it was like nothing. That wouldn't have been scary at all unless they had done that like violin noise, whatever. And to me, that was kind of like that's kind of unnecessary. If they would have just kept him in the background, I think that would have been really creepy. If you just see him run across, but there's no noise, like I don't know. I think that's super creepy. I can't even analyze the scares because like my brain was just like done. That's good. That's that's a test. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You know one scene that I didn't like? There's some real danger whenever someone tilts the camera because I think there's a real danger of like taking you out of the movie when you do that because like this isn't right. This is not what I'm used to seeing. And I thought one time where it was like, I I don't know. I think they kind of did it wrong was when he, when Beverly goes down for the first time or he takes her down and he's doing the dancing thing 
because don't they tilt the camera while he does that and then he's doing his dancing thing like i guess obviously the dancing was supposed to be like yeah he's a weird clown like that's supposed to be creepy i think that was one of the times where it's like you're supposed to be scared right now but i wasn't i was like nah this is weird like i didn't like that also just to throw in all my little complaints at once um kind of something back to the pacing was like and I don't know if it's me just not wanting to be scared, but it's like when they would get into the like romantic coming of age themes, it's like, ooh, this is good. I like how this is developing. But it's like I couldn't enjoy it enough because I was like, there's another scare coming soon. And it, or like that last Yeah, scare I don't was agree with that. Like, like I like that stuff. And then, yeah. It's like I wanted I, did, I didn't I didn't love I did want more of that, but those are just little things I was thinking about. The part where she was putting the tape measure down the uh down the sink. That that was I like that, but but one of the creepiest parts in the book is when she hears voices coming out of the sink, like like the like in the movie, and she leans over the sink and she said she says who are you, and the and she hears like a chorus of voices whisper back like we are legion, and I just felt like that would have been so much creepier than some girl saying like my name's Peggy they literally or whatever said, she we are said. Legion? Yeah, because it is the demon that Jesus casts out of the pigs. Oh, see, like, I get that. Then you're, you're crossing nowadays, lore. That would be like, well, and it'd be like a big button push. to be like, oh, it's anonymous, the hacker group? That's what they say. <laughs> That's, oh, do uh, they? Yeah, I 100% that. what I'd be I like. I'd be I like, what? <laughs> Look down and see <laughs> a bunch of Guy Fox Max in the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, now that we've we've given... About I guess fifty minutes here to unpacking it. Maybe we can move into a, a formal rating period here. Uh, before we get a number assigning though, what where would you guys say this falls on kind of the movies you've seen that have been released this year? Do you have a, like a list of big movies released this year? Guardians of the Galaxy two, Wonder Woman. Are going to be a lot of superhero. Logan, Get Out. Does Get Out count as a horror movie? Spider Man. Spider Man. Uh, yeah. I'd probably call it a thriller. Ah, oh, bummer. Dunkirk, obviously. Dunkirk. Oh, yeah. Don't forget. Dunkirk, not obviously. Beauty and the Beast, Fate of the Furious, Pirates Ooh. of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Top two right there. Beauty and the Beast, I forgot that that came out in 2000. That's crazy. Despicable Me 3. Seems like so long ago. Transformers, The Last Night. The Mummy. Fifty Shades Darker. It's just getting farther and farther down the list for me. <laughs> the Lego Batman. Good movie. Um, if I had rated amongst those, are all those, the mainstream. It's ones. up there. Yeah, amongst those for me, it's like top three. I'm I'm curious to see what would be above it. I agree with that. The thing is, though, it's so hard for me to compare this to like, like. In, in so many ways, it's just a thousand times better than Spider-Man, which I thought was a good movie, just because of the amount I know about the story of it, like, it. and how good it is, how good it is, it, it, it is, it. Um, it's hard for me to compare that it. to, a, like, a fabricated, <laughs> like, plot movie story that Spider-Man was, you know, whereas this is, like, a really well-known, very famous, very successful author who came up with this story, not some random guy that works at Disney who owns Marvel and now they do their own thing. I guess I'm going to have to rate this like the highest out of all the movies I've seen, even though 
I don't even know Dunkirk's there. I, I see. I forget my ratings. We need to write them down. Nah, make it. You up do. Right it's called Letterboxed. Let me take a moment here to thank our sponsor, Letterboxd, who has a great who has provided with us a great venue here where we can post, share, and review movies online. Sign up with Letterboxd today. Sorry, continue. So, I mean, when you list all those awesome movies like Despicable Me 3, Transformers 19, <laughs> The Mummy, uh, you know, The Mummy, it's like, this movie's pretty awful. Uh, Get Out, though. Have you seen Get Out yet? I haven't seen Get it. Get Out is... Get Out still might be my favorite of the year. Well, out of the <clears throat> out of the mainstream releases. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> We need to have you, though, I guess. That's right, dog. So, yeah, I would say this is actually, like, really high up there. Probably probably the highest I've seen. Cool. That's awesome. What, what other just... movies are coming out that I can, like, Blade compare Runner them to? to? Well, <laughs> I guess you can't compare Actually, them. Blade Runner is getting blasted with unbelievably good critical acclaim. That's so exciting after that boring mess of trash. Like you uh, said, oh, did you oh see it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wasn't it was just like... awful? I was like, this is the most boring oh. thing ever. And when I went back, or like when I listened to so little reviews bad. and stuff that people give it, most people are like, oh, the world building is so cool and stuff like that. And like when I take a step back, I was like, yeah, I guess the environments were cool. But like the movie was just like, it was so boring. It was awful. <laughs> oh, it was lame. My There's brother, more shots of Harrison's Ford expressionless face than like him speaking words. My brother kept saying like, is everything on fire? Why is there so much smoke everywhere? <laughs> <laughs> But nonetheless, the the new one does look really, really good. Yeah, I'm excited. Hey, and if you ever you saw Arrival, right? It's the same director of Arrival, and you saw Prisoners. Oh, so you guys are talking about the original Blade Runner? It's awful, yeah. Well, we're like the only people that think that, <laughs> right? And... Yeah, because you're like this millennial, like fools that you know spend most of your time on Facebook. So. No, but there's a millennial. There's a subgroup of millennial elites. We're into that okay, stuff. so we've only listed one movie that's coming out that I could compare later on. There's going to be a lot of, as far as mainstream movie. stuff, it's pretty much Star Wars. There's a ton of other really interesting movies coming out. All the really good ones are coming out now. So what would you guys give it out of 100? It. it. I'm going to bleep every time we Does say Does anyone remember what I, what I rated Dunkirk, Wonder Woman, and Spider-Man? Probably lower than what you're about to give it. That's true. Okay, let's see. I gave Wonder Woman a... Like a 60-some, right? Like a 56. I moved her down. Nice. Um, And then I think I gave Spider-Man a solid 70. Fair. No. No, I think I gave Spider-Man like a B-. No, a C+. plus, Like a 78 or 79. No, no, no. That was Dunkirk. I gave Spider-Man a 70, Dunkirk like a C+. plus. I think I'm going to give in like an 85. But that's purely from the like trying as hard as I can to not compare it to the book. Thank you for doing that for us, Hayden. Because if I compare it to the book, like I couldn't even, I couldn't even, it's just, it's stupid. Like you can't do it. And not, not because it wasn't a good movie, just because there's, I know like too much and it's, it just doesn't work. Like you can't do it. it. So I would say like a solid B. A solid B. Yeah. 85. John? 
I think Dunkirk, I gave a high 80. And as, I, it might be shocking to you guys, but I think I would, as far as rewatchability, right now, I'd rather watch uh, it again. Um, I mean, obviously, you guys probably think that, but I don't know if you would think that I would think that. Uh, yeah, I would. I'd probably give it a high 80, it. maybe closer to like 88, 89. It. I would give it. I it. I it. It. I would give Pennywise. I would it give a eighty nine, <laughs> an eighty eight, eighty nine, eighty eight. I mean, and then I'm I'm also kind of like thinking in my brain, like as far as horror movies that I've seen, zero. It's like one hundred for horror movies. I think. You know. No, no. To me, that's like the best horror movie I think I could have seen, though. I mean, what is, I don't know what that means. <laughs> It was just like it was really good. It's it's a horror movie that makes me think, oh, there's something to the horror genre that I could get into, and it's like I can see why people like this. Okay. Rather than it being like it being like a, uh, rather than <laughs> coming off as a lame Hollywood thing that's just stale and you know like a Saw twenty, you know that. Right. Thing. Right. That's fair. I'm going to split the difference between y'all and go with a, a nice crisp 86. It's kind of where my mind just just snapped right to an 86. That seems really good for you, Nick. That is really good. It's def- probably top five of the year for me. And how do you right feel in terms mother. of like other horror movies? It's definitely unconventional in a lot of ways. Again, with its with its attention to detail, especially early on visually, like I, I would love it if it got kind of a, maybe even a cinematography nomination. I think it could get that or like set design. And see, in a lot of, but see, a lot of those touches that you liked so much were actually referring to things in the book, which makes it even more brilliant. So like parts were like his bike. They showed a really cool shot of his bike called Silver. That plays a huge part in the book. They showed this really cool scene of like the camera kind of panning back over that giant Paul Bunyan statue. That Paul Bunyan statue plays a huge part in the book. There's all types of things that like they do these little subtle things that are only there for the people that read the book because you would have no clue if you didn't read the book. And I I think that's pretty cool. They definitely should. Yeah, definitely. Second one that. That. And Nick, I think that. Like, if you like the beginning of this movie, I think that the beginning of the second movie has the potential to be pretty crazy, too. Not in the same way, but still, like, pretty insane. I have doubts about the sequel. I do, too. If they literally, if the sequel is them as adults, and they already, again, they already know how to defeat it, why would I feel any kind of tension? Because it's not defeated, I guess. But it's not. It's it's totally different. But they know plus, how to. That's, and I didn't really talk about this, but they don't know how to defeat it. Like in the book, they they have no idea. Like they they don't well, understand. Well, I'm talking about the movie. Well, that's what I don't I don't know if that's like clear in the movie. I I don't know. All right, I think you might be overstating the finality of it. Like they even think that it could come back. That's why they're saying that. So they're saying they don't think they've permanently gotten rid of it. I think maybe they like concluded too hard in your perspective. I guess. But the way to defeat it will remain the same. But it's not defeated. It's just like temporarily set back. It's Obviously not. Now. Otherwise, there wouldn't be another movie. I'm just saying when that. it inevitably comes back, they're going to be like, hey, I wonder what we did last time. Oh, yeah. It's just preying on our fears. Don't be afraid. Stick together. Guess what? We defeated it but again. Like, 
but that's not defeating. But see, the thing is, though, Nick, that it's not that simple. And and that's why I think that the beginning of the movie... I hope not. I hope not. ...will be, like, that whole, like, eh, I can't ruin it, so I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, please don't. Yeah, so we have something to look forward to. That's great. Well, it is still playing in wide release. Uh, if any of our listeners wanted to go out and check it out, I'd definitely encourage you to do that. Still actually making a significant showing here, going up against some of these other movies. Um, hopefully, yeah, maybe it would be fun to have a Blade Runner review. Maybe we could knock that out. I'm really, I'm really getting the sense that you don't have to see the original to really find this one meaningful. Hayden, if you wanted to hop on that okay. this weekend, is it out? In, when is it out in theaters? This this upcoming weekend. Okay. It's going to be interesting seeing Ryan Gosling play a sci-fi sci-fi grunt, rather than just like a schmoozy love interest. Eh, whatever. He'll do no, that. I'm excited. Yeah, I think it, I think he'll rock it. It'll be weird seeing Harrison Ford in a sci-fi setting. Do you want a more final word, Nick, or do you think you do you like? No, I can have a I can have a closing remark, and then you guys can say bye. And it needs to tie. It needs to be a corny joke about the movie. Hope you guys hope you guys enjoyed our review. Just say it a bunch. Hope you guys enjoyed our review. It was. <laughs> Hold on. Better be careful. I'll just make this the outro. <laughs> you mumbling. I'm trying to think of something. <laughs> we'll be back 27 years from now. Something like that. I'll wing it. I'll wing it with the 27 years joke. Alright, well that's pretty much all we have for today. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, come back next time. Hopefully sooner than 27 years we'll have the... Oh, dang, I hate myself. <laughs> I thought it was trash. <laughs> Alright, maybe I'll make it more subtle so it's more of an Easter egg. Alright, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back later on this month, hopefully with more content for y'all. Uh, 27. Easter egg? <laughs>